Section 3 of State of the Union Addresses by United States Presidents, 1889-1892. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Brian Keenan. Benjamin Harrison, December 1, 1890, Part 1. To the Senate and House of Representatives. The reports of the several executive departments, which will be laid before Congress in the usual course, will exhibit in detail the operations of the government for the last fiscal year. Only the more important incidents and results, and chiefly such as may be the foundation of the recommendations I shall submit, will be referred to in this annual message. The vast and increasing business of the government has been transacted by the several departments during the year with faithfulness energy, and success. The revenues, amounting to above $450 million, have been collected and dispersed without revealing, so far as I can ascertain, a single case of defalcation or embezzlement. An earnest effort has been made to stimulate a sense of responsibility and public duty in all officers and employees of every grade, and the work done by them has almost wholly escaped unfavorable criticism. I speak of these matters with freedom, because the credit of this good work is not mine, but is shared by the heads of the several departments with the great body of faithful officers and employees who serve under them. The closest scrutiny of Congress is invited to all the methods of administration and to every item of expenditure. The friendly relations of our country with the nations of Europe and of the East have been undisturbed, while the ties of goodwill and common interest that bind us to the states of the Western Hemisphere have been notably strengthened by the conference held in this capital to consider measures for the general welfare. Pursuant to the invitation authorized by Congress, the representatives of every independent state of the American continent and of Haiti met in conference in this capital in October 1889 and continued in session until the 19th of last April. This important convocation marks a most interesting and influential epoch in the history of the Western Hemisphere. It is noteworthy that Brazil, invited while under an imperial form of government, shared as a republic in the deliberations and results of the conference. The recommendations of this conference were all transmitted to Congress at the last session. The International Marine Conference, which sat at Washington last winter, reached a very gratifying result. The regulations suggested have been brought to the attention of all the governments represented, and their general adoption is confidently expected. The legislation of Congress at the last session is in conformity with the propositions of the conference, and the proclamation therein provided for will be issued when the other powers have given notice of their adhesion. The Conference of Brussels, to devise means for suppressing the slave trade in Africa, afforded an opportunity for a new expression of the interest the American people feel in that great work. It soon became evident that the measure proposed would tax the resources of the Congo Basin beyond the revenues available under the General Act of Berlin of 1884. The United States, not being a party to that act, could not share in its revision, but by a separate act the independent state of the Congo was freed from the restrictions upon a customs revenue. The demoralizing and destructive traffic in ardent spirits among the tribes 
also claimed the earnest attention of the conference, and the delegates of the United States were foremost in advocating measures for its repression. An accord was reached, the influence of which will be very helpful, and extend over a wide region. As soon as these measures shall receive the sanction of the Netherlands, for a time withheld, the general acts will be submitted for ratification by the Senate. Meanwhile, negotiations have been opened for a new and completed treaty of friendship, commerce, and navigation between the United States and the independent state of the Congo. Toward the end of the past year, the only independent monarchical government on the western continent, that of Brazil, ceased to exist, and was succeeded by a republic. Diplomatic relations were at once established with the new government, but it was not completely recognized until an opportunity had been afforded to ascertain that it had popular approval and support. When the course of events had yielded assurance of this fact, no time was lost in extending to the new government a full and cordial welcome into the family of American commonwealths. It is confidently believed that the good relations of the two countries will be preserved, and that the future will witness an increased intimacy of intercourse and an expansion of their mutual commerce. The peace of Central America has again been disturbed through a revolutionary change in Salvador, which was not recognized by other states, and hostilities broke out between Salvador and Guatemala, threatening to involve all Central America in conflict, and to undo the progress which had been made toward a union of their interests. The efforts of this government were promptly and zealously exerted to compose their differences, and through the active efforts of the representative of the United States, a provisional treaty of peace was signed August 26, whereby the right of the Republic of Salvador to choose its own rulers was recognized. General Izita, the chief of the provisional government, has since been confirmed in the presidency by the assembly, and diplomatic recognition duly followed. The killing of General Burundia on board the Pacific mail steamer Acapulco, while anchored in transit in the port of San Jose de Guatemala, demanded careful inquiry. Having failed in a revolutionary attempt to invade Guatemala from Mexican territory, General Burundia took passage at Acapulco for Panama. The consent of the representatives of the United States was sought to effect his seizure, first at Champerico, where the steamer touched, and afterwards at San Jose. The captain of the steamer refused to give up his passenger without a written order from the United States minister. The latter furnished the desired letter, stipulating as the condition of his action that General Burundia's life should be spared, and that he should be tried only for offenses growing out of his insurrectionary movements. This letter was produced to the captain of the Acapulco by the military commander at San Jose, as his warrant to take the passenger from the steamer. General Burundia resisted capture and was killed. It being evident that the minister, Mr. Misner, had exceeded the bounds of his authority in intervening, in compliance with the demands of the Guatemalan authorities, to authorize and effect, in violation of precedent, the seizure on a vessel of the United States of a passenger in transit charged with political offenses, in order that he might be tried for such offenses under what was described as martial law, I was constrained to disavow Mr. Misner's act and recall him from his post. The Nicaragua Canal Project, under the control of our citizens, is making most encouraging progress, 
all the preliminary conditions and initial operations having been accomplished within the prescribed time. During the past year, negotiations have been renewed for the settlement of the claims of American citizens against the government of Chile, principally growing out of the late war with Peru. The reports from our minister at Santiago warrant the expectation of an early and satisfactory adjustment. Our relations with China, which have for several years occupied so important a place in our diplomatic history, have called for careful consideration and have been the subject of much correspondence. The communications of the Chinese minister have brought into view the whole subject of our conventional relations with his country, and at the same time this government, through its legation at Peking, has sought to arrange various matters and complaints touching the interests and protection of our citizens in China. In pursuance of the concurrent resolution of October 1, 1890, I have proposed to the governments of Mexico and Great Britain to consider a conventional regulation of the passage of Chinese laborers across our southern and northern frontiers. On the 22nd day of August last, Sir Edmund Monson, the arbitrator selected under the Treaty of December 6, 1888, rendered an award to the effect that no compensation was due from the Danish government to the United States on account of what is commonly known as the Carlos Butterfield claim. Our relations with the French Republic continue to be cordial. Our representative at that court has very diligently urged the removal of the restrictions imposed upon our meat products, and it is believed that substantial progress has been made toward a just settlement. The Samoan Treaty, signed last year at Berlin by the representatives of the United States, Germany, and Great Britain, after due ratification and exchange, has begun to produce salutary effects. The formation of the government agreed upon will soon replace the disorder of the past by a stable administration alike just to the natives and equitable to the three powers most concerned in trade and intercourse with the Samoan Islands. The Chief Justice has been chosen by the King of Sweden and Norway on the invitation of the three powers, and will soon be installed. The Land Commission and the Municipal Council are in process of organization. A rational and evenly distributed scheme of taxation, both municipal and upon imports, is in operation. Malutoa is respected as king. The new treaty of extradition with Great Britain, after due ratification, was proclaimed on the 25th of last March. Its beneficial working is already apparent. The difference between the two governments touching the fur seal question in the Bering Sea is not yet adjusted, as will be seen by the correspondence which will soon be laid before the Congress. The offer to submit the question to arbitration, as proposed by Her Majesty's government, has not been accepted for the reason that the form of submission proposed is not thought to be calculated to assure a conclusion satisfactory to either party. It is sincerely hoped that before the opening of another sealing season, some arrangement may be effected which will assure to the United States a property right derived from Russia, which was not disregarded by any nation for more than eighty years preceding the outbreak of the existing trouble. In the Tariff Act, a wrong was done to the Kingdom of Hawaii, which I am bound to presume was wholly unintentional. Duties were levied on certain commodities which are included in the Reciprocity Treaty, 
now existing between the United States and the Kingdom of Hawaii, without indicating the necessary exception in favor of that kingdom. I hope Congress will repair what might otherwise seem to be a breach of faith on the part of this government. An award in favor of the United States in the matter of the claim of Mr. Van Bockelen against Haiti was rendered on the 4th of December, 1888, but owing to disorders then and afterwards prevailing in Haiti, the terms of payment were not observed. A new agreement as to the time of payment has been approved and is now in force. Other just claims of citizens of the United States for redress of wrongs suffered during the late political conflict in Haiti will, it is hoped, speedily yield to friendly treatment. Propositions for the amendment of the Treaty of Extradition between the United States and Italy are now under consideration. You will be asked to provide the means of accepting the invitation of the Italian government to take part in an approaching conference to consider the adoption of a universal prime meridian from which to reckon longitude and time. As this proposal follows in the track of the reform sought to be initiated by the Meridian Conference of Washington, held on the invitation of this government, the United States should manifest a friendly interest in the Italian proposal. In this connection, I may refer with approval to the suggestion of my predecessors that standing provision be made for accepting, whenever deemed advisable, the frequent invitations of foreign governments to share in conferences looking to the advancement of international reforms in regard to science, sanitation, commercial laws and procedure, and other matters affecting the intercourse and progress of modern communities. In the summer of 1889, an incident occurred which for some time threatened to interrupt the cordiality of our relations with the government of Portugal. That government seized the Delagoa Bay Railway, which was constructed under a concession granted to an American citizen, and at the same time annulled the charter. The concessionary, who had embarked his fortune in the enterprise, having exhausted other means of redress, was compelled to invoke the protection of his government. Our representations, made coincidentally with those of the British government, whose subjects were also largely interested, happily resulted in the recognition by Portugal of the propriety of submitting the claim for indemnity growing out of its action to arbitration. This plan of settlement having been agreed upon, the interested powers readily concurred in the proposal to submit the case to the judgment of three eminent jurists, to be designated by the President of the Swiss Republic, who, upon the joint invitation of the governments of the United States, Great Britain, and Portugal, has selected persons well qualified for the task before them. The revision of our treaty relations with the Empire of Japan has continued to be the subject of consideration and of correspondence. The questions involved are both grave and delicate, and while it will be my duty to see that the interests of the United States are not by any changes exposed to undue discrimination, I sincerely hope that such revision as will satisfy the legitimate expectations of the Japanese government, and maintain the present and long-existing friendly relations between Japan and the United States, will be effected. The friendship between our country and Mexico, born of close neighborhood and strengthened by many considerations of intimate intercourse and reciprocal interest, has never been more conspicuous than now, nor more hopeful of increased benefit to both nations. 
the intercourse of the two countries by rail, already great, is making constant growth. The established lines and those recently projected add to the intimacy of traffic and open new channels of access to fresh areas of demand and supply. The importance of the Mexican railway system will be further enhanced to a degree almost impossible to forecast, if it should become a link in the projected intercontinental railway. I recommend that our mission in the City of Mexico be raised to the first class. The cordial character of our relations with Spain warrants the hope that by the continuance of methods of friendly negotiation, much may be accomplished in the direction of an adjustment of pending questions and of the increase of our trade. The extent and development of our trade with the island of Cuba invest the commercial relations of the United States and Spain with a peculiar importance. It is not doubted that a special arrangement in regard to commerce, based upon the reciprocity provision of the recent Tariff Act, would operate most beneficially for both governments. This subject is now receiving attention. The restoration of the remains of John Erickson to Sweden afforded a gratifying occasion to honor the memory of the great inventor, to whose genius our country owes so much, and to bear witness to the unbroken friendship which has existed between the land which bore him and our own, which claimed him as a citizen. On the 2nd of September last, the Commission appointed to revise the proceedings of the Commission under the Claims Convention between the United States and Venezuela of 1866, brought its labors to a close within the period fixed for that purpose. The proceedings of the late Commission were characterized by a spirit of impartiality and a high sense of justice, and an incident which was for many years the subject of discussion between the two governments has been disposed of in a manner alike honorable and satisfactory to both parties. For the settlement of the claim of the Venezuela Steam Transportation Company, which was the subject of a joint resolution adopted at the last session of Congress, negotiations are still in progress, and their early conclusion is anticipated. The legislation of the past few years has evinced on the part of Congress a growing realization of the importance of the consular service in fostering our commercial relations abroad and in protecting the domestic revenues. As the scope of operations expands, increased provision must be made to keep up the essential standard of efficiency. The necessity of some adequate measure of supervision and inspection has been so often presented that I need only commend the subject to your attention. The revenues of the government from all sources for the fiscal year ending June 30, 1890, were $463,963,085, and the total expenditures for the same period were $358,618,584.52. The postal receipts have not heretofore been included in the statement of these aggregates, and for the purpose of comparison, the sum of $60,882,097.92 should be deducted from both sides of the account. The surplus for the year, including the amount applied to the sinking fund, was $105,344,496.03. The receipts for 1890 were $16,030,923.79, and the expenditures 
$15,739,871, in excess of those of 1889. The customs receipts increased $5,835,842.88, and the receipts from internal revenue $11,725,191.89, while on the side of expenditures, that for pensions was $19,312,075.96, in excess of the preceding year. The Treasury statement for the current fiscal year partly actual and partly estimated, is as follows. Receipts from all sources, $406 million. Total expenditures, $354 million, leaving a surplus of $52 million, not taking the postal receipts into the account on either side. The loss of revenue from customs for the last quarter is estimated at $25 million, but from this is deducted a gain of about $16 million, realized during the first four months of the year. For the year 1892, the total estimated receipts are $373 million, and the estimated expenditures, $357,852,209.42, leaving an estimated surplus of $15,247,790.58. With a cash balance of $52 million at the beginning of the year, will give $67,247,790.58 as the sum available for the redemption of outstanding bonds or other uses. The estimates of receipts and expenditures for the Post Office Department, being equal, are not included in this statement on either side. The Act Directing the Purchase of Silver Bullion and the Issue of Treasury Notes Thereon, approved July 14, 1890, has been administered by the Secretary of the Treasury with an earnest purpose to get into circulation at the earliest possible dates the full monthly amounts of Treasury notes contemplated by its provisions and at the same time to give to the market for the silver bullion such support as the law contemplates. The recent depreciation in the price of silver has been observed with regret. The rapid rise in price which anticipated and followed the passage of the Act was influenced in some degree by speculation, and the recent reaction is in part the result of the same cause and in part of the recent monetary disturbances. Some months of further trial will be necessary to determine the permanent effect of the recent legislation upon silver values, but it is gratifying to know that the increased circulation secured by the Act has exerted, and will continue to exert, a most beneficial influence upon business and upon general values. While it has not been thought best to renew formally the suggestion of an international conference looking to an agreement touching the full use of silver for coinage at a uniform ratio, care has been taken to observe closely any change in the situation abroad and no favorable opportunity will be lost to promote a result which it is confidently believed would confer very large benefits upon the commerce of the world. The recent monetary disturbances in England are not unlikely to suggest a re-examination of opinions upon this subject. Our very large supply of gold will, if not lost by impulsive legislation in the supposed interest of silver, give us a position of advantage in promoting a permanent and safe international agreement for the free use of silver as a coin metal.
the efforts of the secretary to increase the volume of money in circulation by keeping down the treasury surplus to the lowest practicable limit have been unremitting and in a very high degree successful the tables presented by him showing the increase of money in circulation during the last two decades and especially the table showing the increase during the nineteen months he has administered the affairs of the department are interesting and instructive the increase of money in circulation during the nineteen months has been in the aggregate ninety three million eight hundred sixty six thousand eight hundred thirteen dollars or about one dollar fifty cents per capita and of this increase only seven million one hundred thousand dollars was due to the recent silver legislation that this substantial and needed aid given to commerce resulted in an enormous reduction of the public debt and of the annual interest charge is matter of increased satisfaction there have been purchased and redeemed since march four eighteen eighty nine four and four one half percent bonds to the amount of two hundred eleven million eight hundred thirty two thousand four hundred fifty dollars at a cost of two hundred forty six million six hundred twenty thousand seven hundred forty one dollars resulting in the reduction of the annual interest charge of eight million nine hundred sixty seven thousand six hundred nine dollars and a total saving of interest of fifty one million five hundred seventy six thousand seven hundred six dollars i notice with great pleasure the statement of the secretary that the receipts from internal revenue have increased during the last fiscal year nearly twelve million dollars and that the cost of collecting this larger revenue was less by ninety thousand six hundred seventeen dollars than for the same purpose in the preceding year the percentage of cost of collecting the customs revenue was less for the last fiscal year than ever before the customs administration board provided for by the act of june tenth eighteen ninety was selected with great care and is composed in part of men whose previous experience and the administration of the old customs regulations had made them familiar with the evils to be remedied and in part of men whose legal and judicial acquirements and experience seemed to fit them for the work of interpreting and applying the new statute the chief aim of the law is to secure honest valuations of all dutiable merchandise and to make these valuations uniform at all our ports of entry it had been made manifest by a congressional investigation that a system of undervaluation had been long in use by certain classes of importers resulting not only in a great loss of revenue but in a most intolerable discrimination against honesty it is not seen how this legislation when it is understood can be regarded by the citizens of any country having commercial dealings with us as unfriendly if any duty is supposed to be excessive let the complaint be lodged there it will surely not be claimed by any well-disposed people that a remedy may be sought and allowed in a system of quasi-smuggling the report of the secretary of war exhibits several gratifying results attained during the year by wise and unostentatious methods the percentage of desertions from the army an evil for which both congress and the department have long been seeking a remedy has been reduced during the past year twenty four per cent and for the months of august and september during which time the favorable effects of the act of june sixteen were felt thirty three per cent as compared with the same months of eighteen eighty nine 
the results attained by a reorganization and consolidation of the divisions having charge of the hospital and service records of the volunteer soldiers are very remarkable this change was effected in july eighteen eighty nine and at that time there were forty thousand six hundred fifty four cases awaiting attention more than half of these being calls from the pension office for information necessary to the adjudication of pension claims on the thirtieth day of june last though over three hundred thousand new calls had come in there was not a single case that had not been examined and answered i concur in the recommendations of the secretary that adequate and regular appropriations be continued for coast defense works and ordnance plans have been practically agreed upon and there can be no good reason for delaying the execution of them while the defenseless state of our great seaports furnishes an urgent reason for wise expedition the encouragement that has been extended to the militia of the states generally and most appropriately designated the national guard should be continued and enlarged these military organizations constitute in a large sense the army of the united states while about five-sixths of the annual cost of their maintenance is defrayed by the states the report of the attorney general is under the law submitted directly to congress but as the department of justice is one of the executive departments some reference to the work done is appropriate here a vigorous and in the main an effective effort has been made to bring to trial and punishment all violators of the law but at the same time care has been taken that frivolous and technical offenses should not be used to swell the fees of officers or to harass well-disposed citizens especial attention is called to the facts connected with the prosecution of violations of the election laws and of offenses against united states officers the number of convictions secured very many of them upon pleas of guilty will it is hoped have a salutary restraining influence there have been several cases where postmasters appointed by me have been subjected to violent interference in the discharge of their official duties and to persecutions and personal violence of the most extreme character some of these cases have been dealt with through the department of justice and in some cases the post offices have been abolished or suspended i have directed the postmaster general to pursue this course in all cases where other efforts fail to secure for any postmaster not himself in fault an opportunity peacefully to exercise the duties of his office but such action will not supplant the efforts of the department of justice to bring the particular offenders to punishment the vacation by judicial decrees of fraudulent certificates of naturalization upon bills in equity filed by the attorney general in the circuit court of the united states is a new application of a familiar equity jurisdiction nearly one hundred such decrees have been taken during the year the evidence disclosing that a very large number of fraudulent certificates of naturalization have been issued and in this connection i beg to renew my recommendation that the laws be so amended as to require a more full and searching inquiry into all the facts necessary to naturalization before any certificates are granted it certainly is not too much to require that an application for american citizenship shall be heard with as much care and recorded with as much formality as are given to cases involving the pettiest property right at the last session 
I returned without my approval a bill entitled An Act to Prohibit Bookmaking and Pool Selling in the District of Columbia, and stated my objection to be that it did not prohibit, but in fact licensed what it purported to prohibit. An effort will be made under existing laws to suppress this evil, though it is not certain that they will be found adequate. The report of the Postmaster General shows the most gratifying progress in the important work committed to his direction. The business methods have been greatly improved. A large economy in expenditures and an increase of four and three-quarters millions in receipts have been realized. The deficiency this year is $5,786,300, as against $6,350,183 last year notwithstanding the great enlargement of the service. Mail routes have been extended and quickened, and greater accuracy and dispatch in distribution and delivery have been attained. The report will be found to be full of interest and suggestion, not only to Congress, but to those thoughtful citizens who may be interested to know what business methods can do for that Department of Public Administration which most nearly touches all our people. The passage of the Act to amend certain sections of the revised statutes relating to lotteries, approved September 19, 1890, has been received with great and deserved popular favor. The Post Office Department and the Department of Justice at once entered upon the enforcement of the law with sympathetic vigor, and already the public mails have been largely freed from the fraudulent and demoralizing appeals and literature emanating from the lottery companies. The construction and equipment of the new ships for the Navy have made very satisfactory progress. Since March 4, 1889, nine new vessels have been put in commission, and during this winter four more, including one monitor, will be added. The construction of the other vessels authorized is being pushed both in the government and private yards with energy, and watched with the most scrupulous care. The experiments conducted during the year to test the relative resisting power of armor plates have been so valuable as to attract great attention in Europe. The only part of the work upon the new ships that is threatened by unusual delay is the armor plating, and every effort is being made to reduce that to the minimum. It is a source of congratulation that the anticipated influence of these modern vessels upon the esprit de corps of the officers and seamen has been fully realized confidence and pride in the ship among the crew are equivalent to a secondary battery. Your favorable consideration is invited to the recommendations of the Secretary. The report of the Secretary of the Interior exhibits with great fullness and clearness the vast work of that department and the satisfactory results attained. The suggestions made by him are earnestly commended to the consideration of Congress, though they cannot all be given particular mention here. The several acts of Congress, looking to the reduction of the larger Indian reservations, to the more rapid settlement of the Indians upon individual allotments, and the restoration to the public domain of lands in excess of their needs, have been largely carried into effect, so far as the work was confided to the executive. Agreements have been concluded since March 4, 1889, involving the cession to the United States of about 14 million 726,000 acres of land. These contracts have, as required by law, been submitted to Congress for ratification and for the appropriations necessary to carry them into effect.
those with the Sisseton and Wapiton, Sac and Fox, Iowa, Potawatomis and Absentee Shawnees, and Coeur d'Alene tribes, have not yet received the sanction of Congress. Attention is also called to the fact that the appropriations made in the case of the Sioux Indians have not covered all the stipulated payments. This should be promptly corrected. If an agreement is confirmed, all of its terms should be complied with without delay, and full appropriations should be made. The policy outlined in my last annual message in relation to the patenting of lands to settlers upon the public domain has been carried out in the administration of the land office. No general suspicion or imputation of fraud has been allowed to delay the hearing and adjudication of individual cases upon their merits. The purpose has been to perfect the title of honest settlers with such promptness that the value of the entry might not be swallowed up by the expense and extortions to which delay subjected the claimant. The average monthly issue of agricultural patents has been increased about 6,000. The Disability Pension Act, which was approved on the 27th of June last, has been put into operation as rapidly as was practicable. The increased clerical force provided was selected and assigned to work, and a considerable part of the force engaged in examinations in the field was recalled and added to the working force of the office. The examination and adjudication of claims have by reason of improved methods been more rapid than ever before. There is no economy to the government in delay, while there is much hardship and injustice to the soldier. The anticipated expenditure, while very large, will not, it is believed, be in excess of the estimates made before the enactment of the law. This liberal enlargement of the general law should suggest a more careful scrutiny of bills for special relief, both as to the cases where relief is granted and as to the amount allowed. The increasing numbers and influence of the non-Mormon population of Utah are observed with satisfaction. The recent letter of Wilford Woodruff, president of the Mormon Church, in which he advised his people to refrain from contracting any marriage forbidden by the laws of the land, has attracted wide attention, and it is hoped that its influence will be highly beneficial in restraining infractions of the laws of the United States. But the fact should not be overlooked that the doctrine or belief of the Church that polygamous marriages are rightful and supported by divine revelation remains unchanged. President Woodruff does not renounce the doctrine, but refrains from teaching it, and advises against the practice of it because the law is against it. Now, it is quite true that the law should not attempt to deal with the faith or belief of anyone, but it is quite another thing, and the only safe thing, so to deal with the territory of Utah as that those who believe polygamy to be rightful shall not have the power to make it lawful. The admission of the states of Wyoming and Idaho to the Union are events full of interest and congratulation, not only to the people of those states now happily endowed with a full participation in our privileges and responsibilities, but to all our people. Another belt of states stretches from the Atlantic to the Pacific. The work of the Patent Office has won from all sources very high commendation. The amount accomplished has been very largely increased, and all the results have been such as to secure confidence and consideration for the suggestions of the Commissioner. 
the enumeration of the people of the united states under the provisions of the act of march one eighteen eighty nine has been completed and the result will be at once officially communicated to congress the completion of this decennial enumeration devolves upon congress the duty of making a new apportionment of representatives among the several states according to their respective numbers at the last session i had occasion to return with my objections several bills making provisions for the erection of public buildings for the reason that the expenditures contemplated were in my opinion greatly in excess of any public need no class of legislation is more liable to abuse or to degenerate into an unseemly scramble about the public treasury than this there should be exercised in this matter a wise economy based upon some responsible and impartial examination and report as to each case under a general law the report of the secretary of agriculture deserves especial attention in view of the fact that the year has been marked in a very unusual degree by agitation and organization among the farmers looking to an increase in the profits of their business it will be found that the efforts of the department have been intelligently and zealously devoted to the promotion of the interests entrusted to its care a very substantial improvement in the market prices of the leading farm products during the year is noticed the price of wheat advanced from eighty one cents in october eighteen eighty nine to one dollar three quarter in october eighteen ninety corn from thirty one cents to fifty one quarter cents oats from nineteen one quarter cents to forty three cents and barley from sixty three cents to seventy eight cents meats showed a substantial but not so large an increase the export trade in live animals and fowls shows a very large increase the total value of such exports for the year ending june thirty eighteen ninety was thirty three million dollars and the increase over the preceding year was over fifteen million dollars nearly two hundred thousand more cattle and over forty five thousand more hogs were exported than in the preceding year the export trade in beef and pork products and in dairy products was very largely increased the increase in the article of butter alone being from fifteen million five hundred four thousand nine hundred seventy eight pounds to twenty nine million seven hundred forty eight thousand forty two pounds and the total increase in the value of meat and dairy products exported being thirty four million dollars this trade so directly helpful to the farmer it is believed will be yet further and very largely increased when the system of inspection and sanitary supervision now provided by law is brought fully into operation the efforts of the secretary to establish the healthfulness of our meats against the disparaging imputations that have been put upon them abroad have resulted in substantial progress veterinary surgeons set out by the department are now allowed to participate in the inspection of the live cattle from this country landed at the english docks and during the several months they have been on duty no case of contagious pleuropneumonia has been reported this inspection abroad and the domestic inspection of live animals and pork products provided for by the act of august thirty eighteen ninety will afford as perfect a guarantee for the wholesomeness of our meats offered for foreign consumption as is anywhere given to any food product and its non-acceptance will quite clearly reveal the real motive of any continued restriction of their use, and that having been made clear, the duty of the executive will be very plain. Mm 
the information given by the secretary of the progress and prospects of the beet sugar industry is full of interest it has already passed the experimental stage and is a commercial success the area over which the sugar beet can be successfully cultivated is very large and another field crop of great value is offered to the choice of the farmer the secretary of the treasury concurs in the recommendation of the secretary of agriculture that the official supervision provided by the tariff law for sugar of domestic production shall be transferred to the department of agriculture end of section three recording by brian keenan